Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. What makes you afraid? In Franklin Delano Roosevelt's inaugural speech, given in 1933, he said, Let me affirm, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. What he was saying is that fear was keeping the people from moving forward. The people in President Roosevelt's time were in the midst of the Great Depression. I am sure that people actually had a lot of things to be afraid of. They were afraid to spend their money because they might not get any more. They were afraid to lose their jobs because they might not get another one. The farmers were afraid to plant their seeds because they were afraid that the crops would not produce and they wouldn't get their return in a, in a drought that had lasted what seemed forever. And more than that, the people were afraid of losing their homes and actually dying of hunger. The people did not fear fear. They feared the things that they could not control, which threatened their lives and the lives of their families. Yet FDR was right. If the people allowed fear to immobilize them, their fears would actually come true. Fear of what lied ahead kept the people from moving forward. What do you fear? Now the answer to this question may be on the tip of your tongue. It may come to mind immediately. You may know very well what you are afraid of. Or you may think to yourself, you know what? I really can't think of anything I'm afraid of. That's what I thought. But I was wrong. Everybody fears something. How do we know? Sin. Fear shows us that we do not trust that God's going to take care of us. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Genesis 2.25 tells us that after God created the man and the woman, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They did not fear a thing. They felt no need to hide from anyone. Why? Because they trusted God. And they trusted the gifts that he gave them. But we all remember what happened next. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And partook of that which they were not supposed to. They didn't trust God's command And look where it led to. Starting at Genesis 3-7, we read, 
Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Now, why would they hide? They feared God. Now, this was not a healthy fear built on trust in God. No, this was a fear built on mistrust. They no longer trusted that God was going to take care of them. They were afraid of him. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and so I hid myself. He did not trust in God, so he sought out his own protection. He sought out his own solution. He and his wife made clothes out of figs because what God provided was not sufficient enough. What do you fear? In what areas of your life do you say, what God provides for me is not sufficient? Whenever we complain about our current situation, that's really what we're saying. In our gospel lesson, we see on the evening of Jesus' resurrection, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Why were they afraid? Why would they put their trust in locks? They did not trust their God. They were afraid to go outside because outside something might harm me. They locked the world outside and they locked themselves inside. They were afraid to die and that kept them from truly living. To the disciples, it seemed as though these Jews were more powerful than their God. Remember, they confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And look what they did to him. After all, they had seen them kill the one whom they thought was God's Son. And they no longer trusted God. And they had to seek out their own shelter. What do you fear? The best way to find out is to look at the Ten Commandments and see which of them you are constantly breaking. If you break the Seventh Commandment by stealing, cheating on your taxes, or fudging on them, then chances are you do not trust that God will provide you with your daily bread. Your fear of not having enough 
moves you to take matters into your own hands. One other, um, one other way to check that out is to see if you are. Um, now I don't. I I I'm just bringing this up. Um, there's no ulterior motive. But what, what one thing I. But one thing. Other way to check it out is to see if you are tithing ten percent. If you say I can't. You're saying, I don't trust that God will take care of me because he's the one that told me to do this. You never like to bring up money. <laughs> but it is a good way. And also, if, you're, if you are cheating on your taxes. Um, if you break the sixth commandment and follow the desires of that the sexual desires that you have, the desires that take us away from God's gift of marriage between man and a woman, you are afraid that God cannot meet your needs in what he has, what he has placed. It does not matter if we seek shelter from our desires in pornography, the lust for a man or woman outside of the one woman, one man marriage, it doesn't matter what, what kind of sexual promiscuity it is. When we seek shelter outside of God's gift, we are afraid that God cannot provide us with what we need. If you break the fifth commandment and hurt or harm your neighbor in his body, this shows that you are afraid that God will not act justly and that you must carry out justice on your own. Every time we break a commandment, no matter what it is, we are saying, God, I do not trust that you will do the right thing. I must do it myself. FDR was right. Fear does polarize us. It polarizes us from walking humbly with the Lord our God. It keeps us from trusting him, and it causes us to do the exact opposite, hide from him. Have you ever heard somebody like come to the doors of a church and say, if I walk in there, the, the walls will come down? Their, their sin has kept them from God. And they, the exact opposite is true. If you recognize your sin, you need to run to the church doors. The bigger the sinner you are, the more you need God's love for you in Christ Jesus. Now, that's why I want to confess my sins. <laughs> because it makes Jesus' Uh, sacrifice all the greater. The lower I am, the further down he came. Fear is an untrusting thing that wants us, that wants to separate us from the God who loves us. 
That is what happened to one of Jesus' disciples named Judas. Judas did not trust Jesus. And this caused Judas to take matters into his own hands. Jesus isn't getting it done, guys, is what he thought. So he betrayed Jesus into the people that he thought had the power. And this led Judas to shame and untrust that Jesus would forgive him. Judas wanted to hide his face from the world and from God, and he took his own life. What do you fear? Do not let it take you away from the life that God meant for you to have. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You see what happened there? Jesus came to them in the midst of their fear. And he replaced their fear with a word of peace. And how was that peace won? It was won not through the disciples' mistrust and their faulty solutions. No, it was won by the passion and sacrifice that gave Jesus the nail-pierced hands and that spear-torn side. Our peace is born from a God who loves us, who loved us enough to take on our own flesh, to take on our sin, to take on our mistrust and our fears and take those things to their end on his cross. And because of the peace of Christ that passes all understanding, the disciples' fear was transformed into something that three days earlier they thought would never be possible again. Gladness. What do you fear? Christ Jesus comes to you this morning and he gives you his word. And that word to you this morning is peace. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I have come to save you is what he says to us. Your sins, you think they're too big to keep me from you? Impossible. Do you know who I am? I have laid those things down when I died for you on the cross. There is nothing that can keep Jesus from you guys. Nothing. And through that same word, Jesus shows his love for you. The love that has given him his nail-pierced hands and his spear torn side.
Jesus loves you, my friends. And John, who is in that upper room on the night of Jesus' resurrection, John, whose fear was turned into gladness, would later write this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. John could have just as easily written this. There is no fear for those in Jesus because perfect Jesus casts out my fear. Christ has risen and our fears have been conquered. Christ has risen and we can live. Christ has risen and one day we will walk before God in the new heaven and the new earth and like perfect Adam and perfect Eve in the garden, we will once again be unashamed. And now the peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior, until he returns for you. Amen.